Would you turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation. I want you to keep your finger there throughout the message. Uh, Although we'll turn to some other passages, we will be kind of back in Revelation a lot this morning. Uh, I'm going to try and make this not too much of a Bible study, uh, per se, and and do a little bit of uh, preaching uh, as well. But uh, I do want you to see some truth from the Word of God, and I want it to be Uh, There is going to be a little bit of study involved, a little bit of uh, kind of pointing to the scriptures and seeing the truths that are here. Beloved, uh, one one year ago today, one of the members of Hunt Valley Baptist Church, a dear saint of God, went home to be with the Lord. And uh, Brother... Bob Ayler this morning is dealing with that anniversary at the homegoing of his dear wife. Now, there are others in the auditorium. I don't want to call out names. I don't want to put people on the spot. But there are other people in the auditorium here that are dealing with that same loss, Brother Ayler. And if there is anybody in the room that understands the heartache that you're feeling today, those men and ladies, they understand. They've been through it. They know what it is that you're feeling. I want to this morning in a small way maybe remember Janice For Bob's sake, I just want him to know that his wife's not forgotten. I want to try and strive to give you a little bit of hope. I know that the words that I share with you today doesn't change the fact that tonight you're going to be eating supper alone. I'm aware of that. But at the same time, I have to believe the word of God that says that we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. That even in the face of our loss, even in the face of that emptiness and the loneliness that follows, that we do have a hope. We have a hope because we have the assurance of the word of God on the promise as to what is coming after. What a thrill to know that as we live our days here on earth and we know that that inevitable end is coming for us all and that although we will go through the valley of the shadow of death, that beloved on the other side of it there is a place called heaven. There is that place called heaven that God is preparing for each and every one of us. And this morning, maybe, as I preach a message on pondering heaven, I hope it would just give some encouragement, a little bit of of just thinking about where Janice is today and, and what she's enjoying and where your loved one is this morning, just to ponder and think about heaven. I want to ask you, 
If you would, just pray with me as I try and preach and balance both aspects of this. We have the joy of heaven, but I am fully aware and understand that between now and then, there are hearts that are grieving the loss of their loved one. And it's very real. And I hope that the Lord and the Holy Spirit will minister to some hearts today as we ponder and think about the glories of heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you right now. We're grateful, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your son that came. Lord, even as we rejoice with the joys and the celebration of Christmas, there are some whose hearts are heavy and saddened because of the loss that they have. But Lord, as we think about the glories of heaven and the the wonderful benefit that you've given to those that know your son, that heaven is sure and we can look forward to it. Lord, I pray you'd give us a glimpse of that today. Lord, we don't know everything there is to know about heaven, but we know enough in your word that it's something that doesn't have to be feared. It's something we can look forward to. Lord, as we think about it today, I pray that you'd be with each and every heart here. I ask you, Lord, if there's one here that's not sure that they're going to be in heaven, that they would do what the Bible says today and they would trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Forgive them of their sins and have the promise of heaven because of what Jesus has done. I ask you to be with those whose heart is grieving. Would you strengthen them? As we go through this thought today, in Jesus' name, amen. There is a tomb outside of Indiana that reads, Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. You know, beloved, in this life, we do need to prepare. We need to prepare for death and To prepare for death is to think about what's after death, to think about what's coming next, that we might be adequately prepared, that we might be uh, with God in heaven. Underneath that uh, carved carved words on that tombstone, somebody scratched into the marble, to follow you, I am not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) That's pretty important. For all of us will die someday, but not all will be in heaven. The Bible is pretty clear on that. So as I encourage you today to prepare to be in heaven, you must do what the Bible says about being in heaven, and that's trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before it's eternally too late. It's a free gift that God has offered to all. You just got to accept it. I'm thankful today that I know that I'm on my way to heaven because there was a day, an hour, a time when I realized I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ to forgive me of that sin. There was nothing I could do that would cover my sin or pay for my sin or no way I could earn my way. But Jesus paid it all for me. I said last week that when Christians come to the place that they realize that this world is not their home, that we're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. 
that when we get to the place in our life as Christians that we realize that, we begin to start to live with heaven in view. We get to start to live with my life verse in action. And that is, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, when we know that that is the goal, when we know that heaven is our home, we begin to look towards heaven, to seek for heaven, to live with heaven in view. One little girl was walking with her dad, hand in hand, taking an evening stroll. She had been quiet for a little while and was staring up into the sky. Dad looked down into her little girl's eyes as she was looking up and said, Honey, you've been quiet for a little while. What, 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 are, you, what are you thinking? And she just kept looking up and she said, Daddy, I was thinking if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be? We've got heaven to look forward to, and there's going to be a lot of new things when we get to heaven. I want to give you a few of them just from the Word of God this morning. If you're in Revelation chapter 22, let's look at our text. We're going to be referencing and considering this, but in Revelation chapter 22, of course, this is the revelation of John. This is the insight, the the vision that God gave John as he opened his eyes and allowed him to get a glimpse of what would be. And John says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree, which for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and and there shall be no night there, and there they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever." I want you to know, beloved, that we have a glimpse of heaven. We don't know everything that there is to know about heaven, but throughout the Bible, in many different passages, God has given us some insight into that place called heaven. And I think that there is an interest in heaven. There's an interest that people have, even people that don't necessarily go to church. They have an interest in heaven and and that place. And and ultimately, how, how to get there? What do we have to do to get there? Well, the Bible gives us the answer and tells us that, but I just want to ponder and think about heaven for a few minutes. Remind you of some of the truths. First of all, when we get to heaven, the Bible tells us very clearly that we're going to have a new body. We're going to have a new body. I'm going to tell you some things about this body, but I'm excited about that new body. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he says, For our conversation is in heaven... From whence also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. We're going to have a new body. This old flesh is going to be changed into a new body. 
this vile body is going to be changed into a glorious body. What a tremendous truth. I want you to know this morning that it's going to be a supplied body. It's going to be a body that God is going to give to you and I. God's going to raise up the dead. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air. We're going to be reunited then. But between, this is just my own thoughts, but I think we have testimony of the scriptures that between the time that you die and the time that you're reunited with your body, I believe that God gives you a temporary dwelling, a body that is similar to your body, but temporary. The only reason I see this is there's several times in the scripture that God revealed or allowed people here on earth to see men that had gone on. And when they saw them, they were in their body or a likeness of their body. So God supplies a body, but he's going to one day reunite us with our body. We're going to be put together, but it's going to be made new. It's going to be a new body, a new body that he's going to give to us. Between this time, beloved, I want you to understand, between the time that we die and the time of the rapture, when the dead in Christ are going to rise first, I want you to know just, I guess, listen, I don't want to be hurtful. I don't want to in any way uh, irritate anybody today, but I, I just want to tell you the truth. I want you to know that between that time and that time, that there is no such thing as purgatory. It's, it's, not, it's not in the Bible. There is nothing in the Word of God that references or calls to or alludes to or in any way insinuates about a place called purgatory where you kind of go to a holding place. It's just, it's not there. And, I, and listen, if you in your mind have always thought about it kind of that way, Listen, I, I'm not, I don't want to be uh, hateful in any way. I'm just trying to, I would encourage you to get into the Word of God and, and be willing to study it and see what the Bible says. I'm just telling you, it's not in there. There's also no such thing as what some people call soul sleep. There are some people that believe that your body, when you die, that your body goes into a state of soul sleep, that you're just resting that you're just kind of in a, in a non-existent state for a period of time until the rapture when you are reunited with your body. But you see, beloved, the, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There, there is no uh, time in between where you're uh, just in, in limbo or in waiting. The Bible is clear that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Beloved, in Luke chapter 2, the rich man, there's a story there that's given to us that very clearly lays out for us this man's life. He had everything you could ever want here on earth, but he didn't prepare to go to heaven. He didn't put any faith or trust in Jesus Christ, in God's Son. And the Bible says that when he died, immediately, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes in hell. He lifted up his eyes in hell in torment. Now that, 
beloved, is why the work of the church is so important. That is why the message of the gospel is so vital. Because there is no in-between, because there is, at the moment of our death, to be absent from the body is going to either be present with the Lord, or you're going to lift up your eyes, you're going to wake up, as it were, in a place called hell. What a tragedy. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants each and every one of you that are here and each and every person on earth to put their faith and trust in Christ and know His forgiveness that's freely offered. So that when you wake up to be absent from the body to be present with God, you'll wake up in the presence of Jesus instead of in hell. He's going to give us that supplied body he's also going to give us a special it's going to be special he describes it as glorious in that verse he says it's going to be fashioned like unto his glorious body what a special thing this 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 new body is going to be man it's going to have spiritual characteristics it's going to be the the old flesh is going to be gone If you want to see some, some contrast, you could turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We don't have time this morning to, to dissect this whole passage, but in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 and 36, he says, But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. He says here, he says, Listen, in death is the doorway for new life. We understand this, and he gives some examples of this in nature. When you think about the idea, you know, a lot of things that when you bury them, uh, they just begin to rot. They begin to fall apart. But you take that seed that died, and you plant it in the ground, and it brings forth new life. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you understand that. And he gives some examples of that in nature in those, those verses that to follow there. We're not going to read them all, but verses 37 through 41, he talks about that. He talks and gives us pictures of that new life that comes from God. And in Acts 26, don't turn there, but in Acts 26, verse number 8, he says, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? He says, why is it amazing to you that God could raise the dead? It shouldn't be a shock to you. It ought to be something that ought to be easily to be believed because we have that picture. Nobody thinks anything about it. You take a, a dead seed from, from a corn, tree, corn stalk and stick it in the ground and you grow corn. People don't come out and say, how did that happen? Oh, my goodness. No, it's, it's, it happens so readily that it's not even amazing to us. And yet God does that. And that's what God will do for you and I. Death is the window, the doorway to pass through to this new glorious body that he's going to give us. In this passage, he gives us some contrast between the old body and the new. In verses 42, 43, and 44, if you're there, you can see that contrast. He, he tells us, he says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. 
it is raised in incorruption. This old body that just corrupts, that falls apart, that stops working over time, this, it just, through life, it just begins to deteriorate. He says this corruption is going to be raised in incorruption. In verse 43, he says, it's sown in dishonor is going to be raised in glory. He said, sown in weakness is going to be raised in power. I believe that each area that we're weak in this life is going to be an area where we have strength and power in the next. He says, it's sown in a natural body is raised a spiritual body. So again, just giving that picture, the idea of sowing seed and how it brings forth new life. Just say that that body that was sown, that was laid down, is going to be raised up. It's going to be raised up, he says, incorruptible, glorified, powerful, and spiritual. What What a special body he's going to give you. I don't think this contradictory this morning, but it's also, I want you to know, going to be the same body. And what I mean by that is that uh, you are going to be who you are. You're going to be recognized. If you're a white boy, you're going to be a white boy in heaven. <laughs> if, you're, if you're black this morning, you're going to be black in heaven. If you're brown, you're going to be brown in heaven. You're, you're going to be who you are. If you are a man today, you're going to be a man in heaven. If you're a lady today, you're going to be a lady in heaven. If you're something else, you're going to be surprised in heaven. Because <laughs> there's only two. It's going to be the same body. He says in Revelation chapter 5, if you're in Revelation, you want to look at it. Revelation chapter 5, again, I know I'm looking at a lot of scriptures tonight or this morning, but I want you to see uh, these truths and what the Bible says about this place called heaven. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9, he says, And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, he says, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Revelation chapter 7, in verse number 9. Turn to Revelation 7, in verse number 9. Again, remember, this is a picture that John got. He got a vision of what was to be this place called heaven. He says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne. He says, I saw them. I saw all the different nations. I saw all the different tongues, all the different people. What I'm saying is this, he got a glimpse of all the different nationalities and they were there in heaven. I think that's exciting. It's wonderful to me to know that when I get to heaven, although I'm going to have a new body, it's going to have a lot of new characteristics. It's going to be strong and it's not going to be corruptible. It's going to be blessed of God. It's going to have spiritual aspects. It's also going to be me. I'm going to be recognized. My kids are going to know who I am. My wife's going to know who I am. I'll be recognizable. We have the example of Christ that when he was risen, he was recognized. It's going to be a strengthened body. He tells us in Revelation 21, verse number four, he says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, 
Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hey, it's going to be a strengthened body. You won't have to endure any heartache. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying. And you won't have to endure any backache. Because your body is going to be strengthened. The, the pain, all that pain is going to be gone. It's my personal belief, and you can only be dogmatic where the scripture is dogmatic. Um, but it's my personal belief that we will be in the prime of life when you're in heaven. Um, again, we have just the example of Christ. Um, I mean, you think about the idea of if an infant died at three months old, passed away, would they be for all eternity a three-month-old baby that couldn't move, that would be in a crib that somebody had to carry around for all of eternity? Or would they be like the lady who died this last January? I don't recall her name, but she's 115 years old. Died January of this year at 115. Would she be 115 years old for all of her life? I, I don't know, and obviously we have in the Bible times men that lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. But I th- my, the example we have of Christ is he died and he was risen, you know, in that 30-year age. And I think age is not necessarily going to be the, the thing. You know, time is a construct that God gave us for here on earth. Eternity, time is not going to be an issue. I don't know that we'll necessarily be looking at it by years, but I'm just thinking about our physical body would probably be, would be like what we are in our prime of life. Some of you are in your prime right now. Amen? <laughs> Some of you say my prime was a long time ago. <laughs> but it's exciting to think about these things. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So I could be wrong in my estimation on that. Again, we don't have definitive on that. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Amen. Somebody was talking. I think it was, I was one of the Bible scholars, Tozer or Ironside or somebody. They were talking to him about heaven. And uh, they were asking him some questions. And, of course, we don't know everything. And uh, the, the Bible scholar said, well, I can tell you what. Why don't you trust God? And then when you get there, you can find out, <laughs> you know. You can, you can find out for yourself. I hope this morning that you know you're on your way to heaven. It's going to be a sanctified body. Holy sanctified. You know, beloved, that there's no sin in heaven. He says in Revelation chapter 21, in verse number 27, he says, And there shall in no wise enter it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or make it a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, hey, there's not going to be any lying in heaven. There's not going to be any sinning in heaven. There's not going to be anything that defileth in heaven. You're going to have a holy, sanctified body. Uh, all the sin is going to be gone. What a privilege. What a joy to know these truths. Not only are we going to have a new body, but we're going to have a new home. Our body is going to have a new home to rest in. In John chapter 14 
verses 1 through 3, Pastor Derek referenced this in Sunday school today. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. This home in heaven, I want you to know the home in heaven is going to be a stunning home. It's going to be stunning. It's going to be miraculous. There's some that call it a hut. There's some that call it just a little, a little house or, or a dwelling place. The words here in this Bible are a mansion. And I think that God, as a miraculous God, is designing and building something for us. He describes as something we can't even comprehend. That in our minds, we, we, we cannot even, eye hath, hath not seen and ear hath not heard. What God's prepared for them that love him. We, we don't even know. I think the word mansion is probably going to be insufficient to describe the stunning home that God is making. You know, you think about this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. How long ago was that? Roughly. I know we don't know exactly. A couple thousand years, right? A little over. A little over a couple thousand years. Do you know that God made everything that we're familiar with in six days? God made earth in six days. A couple thousand years ago, he says, hey, I'm going to get a place for you. I don't know that he's been working on it all this time, but, but I'm just saying he's had a lot of time to make something pretty stunning. Pretty stunning for us to enjoy when we get to heaven. Yeah. It's a stunning place. John got a glimpse of heaven in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. He says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. You know why there's no sea in heaven? Because the sea is something that God put here on earth to divide the nations. But there's not going to be any dividing in heaven. God knew we weren't going to get along too good. And a big body of water would help keep us from continual war. But in heaven, there's no need for sea. So he saw, he said, there's no more sea. He says, and John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A glimpse of that stunning home. Yeah. That stunning home is going to be located over there on Gold Street. The streets are made of gold in that beautiful place. You talk about something stunning. We don't, I don't think gold is going to be that important to us. But I think God gave us that picture because he knew what we would value here on earth. And he gave us that picture so we would see and get a glimpse of how magnificent, how glorious that place is going to be. We know that it's going to be a spacious place. The Bible describes heaven as being 1,500 miles cubed, basically, squared, 1,500 miles wide, long, tall. 1,500 miles, that's a big area. If you took the United States and crunched it into a square, it would be equivalent to about half of the United States. And if you take that and you put one layer on top of the other, and let's say you go 100 feet and you put another layer. 1,500 miles square. And then you go another 100 feet and put another layer. 
and another 100 feet and put another, another layer? I think it's right at about 80,000 floors that you can fit with 100 feet between each space. It's going to be pretty spacious. Half the size of the United States stacked up 80,000 times. I mean, you think about it, if you say, oh, uh, you know, what about the majestic mountains and stuff like that? Well, Everest is about five miles high, I think. Uh, you could say Everest, oh, yeah, that's located on floor <laughs> 10,231. You know, yeah, let's go check it out. Let's go there. You know, I mean, the magnificent things that God has built here on earth, they could fit in there very easily. Have that space. It's going to be a spacious place. It's not going to be... There's going to be a lot of room. It's going to be a stable place. The Bible says that it, heaven was established on 12 foundation stones. The named, uh, those stones are named for the apostle, and each stone is decorated elaborately with all manner of precious stones. It's going to be a secure place. The walls of the city are described as being 72 yards high, 215 feet. That's not very high when you think about how high the city is itself. But I think it's just a picture to show that heaven is secure. That it's a secure and and a safe place. And it's a guarded place. There's 12 gates that enter that beautiful city. And those gates are made of one enormous pearl. What an amazing thing in the new heaven. In the new heaven, there's going to be a new focus. We're going to be focused on serving God. Look in Revelation 22, if you would. Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. He says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Shall serve Him. It says a very similar thing in Revelation 7, 15, that we're going to serve God. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to have a new focus. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about God. It's going to be about Jesus Christ and serving. Our focus is going to be on him. We're going to serve him through worship. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 8, he says, And the four beasts, and each of them, six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We're going to be worshiping Jesus. You know, you might as well get used to worshiping them now. We're going to be doing it for all eternity. We're going to gather together with all the saints that have gone before and the elders and the prophets. And we're going to have the privilege of laying at the feet feet of Jesus the crowns that he gives to us as rewards for things done here in this life. We're going to serve him by worship. We're also going to serve him by some type of reigning. The Bible says that we're going to rule and reign with him. I don't know exactly what that's going to entail or how it's going to work out. But we know that we're going to be reigning with him. He says in Matthew 25, 21, And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Aren't you looking forward to him saying that to you? Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he says there, hey, you've been faithful. You've been faithful to do what I've given you to do thus far. 
You've been faithful with these few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Are you being faithful today? Are you being faithful with what God has given you? We're going to worship him in heaven. We're going to serve him. We're going to rule with him. The songwriter said, I dreamed of a city called glory, so bright and so fair. When I entered that gate, I cried, holy. The angels all met me there. They showed me from mansion to mansion, and oh, what sights I saw. But I said, I want to see Jesus. He's the one who died for all. Then I bowed on my knees and I cried, holy, holy, holy. Then I raised my hands and sang glory, glory to the Son of God. We're going to have a new focus and it's going to be on him. This place called heaven, as we ponder and think about heaven, especially the older that we get, I know that sometimes people look and say, I've reached the place that I really, I've got a whole lot more over there to look forward to than I do here. I'm really starting to look over there more than I do here day by day. That tends to be where my focus is. Some of you are looking over there with a whole new level of longing this morning. Like Bob, as he thinks about his beloved Janice, the poet Wanda Benecki wrote this. She said, I see the countless Christmas trees around the world below when tiny lights like heaven stars reflecting in the snow. The sight is so spectacular, please wipe away that tear. For I am spending Christmas with Jesus this year. I hear many Christmas songs that people hold so dear. But the sound of the music cannot compare with the Christmas choir that is up here. I have no words to tell you of the joy their voices bring. For it is beyond description to hear the angels sing. I know how much you miss me. I see the pain inside your heart, for I am spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I can't tell you of the splendor or the peace that's here in this place. Can you just imagine Christmas with your Savior face to face? I'm asking him to lift your spirit as I tell him of your love. So then pray for one another as you lift your eyes above. Please let your hearts be joyful and let your spirit sing. For I am spending Christmas in heaven. I'm walking with the king. She's in heaven. And your loved one is in heaven. And looking down and observing and she's describing the glorious place that She gets to enjoy. And I know we look ahead and our hearts long to be with them. I think that we can echo what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. He said, for I am in a strait betwixt two. For I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
He said, but nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said, I've got a desire to depart. I've got a desire to go. I've got Jesus is waiting. Our loved ones are waiting. Our friends and family that have gone on before, they're waiting. And you have a desire to depart, a desire to go to that place. But Paul understood that God had something for him to do. He said it's more needful for what? What did he say? More needful for, do you know? You. See, it wasn't about Paul. Love, but I think that if you're still here, you need to rest in the fact that God has a plan for you. And it, and, and it might not be about you. Paul said, it's more needful for you that I remain. God had something he needed to do for somebody else. And you're here for a plan, purpose and a plan. And although your heart longs to go to that glorious place called heaven, right now, God has a job for us to do. We've got to fulfill and do his job. Hey, I know we look for glory. I know we long for that day. But between now and then, we've got to fulfill the job, the responsibility that God's given us to do. Beloved, the songwriter said, there's coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that'll be. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day that'll be. Beloved, that'll be a glorious day if you're going to be in heaven, if you're going to be restored with your loved ones, if at the moment of your passing you wake up in glory. That only happens if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Why don't we sing that chorus? What a day that'll be. Just the chorus of that song. Help me out here. Somebody start that for me. That will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. It'll be a glorious day. The question I have for you this morning, is Jesus going to come and take you by the hand? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Without question, without doubt. If you do, you've got heaven to look forward to.